Welcome to the Startup Longfit Podcast. I'm your host, Pearl, and in each episode, we are going to unpack key insights, expert advice, and success stories to power up your startup journey. Let's make your entrepreneurial dreams a reality. Hello, everyone. Um, good evening. So uh, let me just do a quick introduction. So um, the topic for today is optimizing user experience for better customer retention. Yeah, so I see um, Paul has also joined us. So we'll be expecting you on as a speaker as well as Shion. So yes, we have four distinguished speakers today. And the first one I'll be talking about is Samuel Kimishi. And Samuel is the co-founder and chief operations officer at First Founders Limited, a venture studio focused on partnering with early stage founders to build, scale, and fund their companies, right? And he is a venture capital analyst, an ecosystem builder, and the host of the Made in Africa podcast, a show that is crafted to tell the stories of successful African founders to inspire young entrepreneurs to greatness. And some of the world-class founders Samuel has interviewed on the show includes David Larry Messon, who is the founder and CEO of First Founders. Samuel, I'm really glad to have you on board. I'm glad to be on this page today. I'm really looking forward to learning from other speakers as well. Thanks for having me. All right. Great, great. So let me go ahead to talk and to introduce our second speaker, Paul Ayuk. So Paul is the CEO and um, co-founder at Bonds, a payment automation and customer value management platform that helps businesses automate, personalize, and optimize all customer touch points in their payment lifecycle to improve user engagement, loyalty, retention, and um, lifetime value. Um, from my perspective, um, Mr. Paul Ayuk was is a really good selection for the topic we have um, today. So, Paul, we are really excited to have you on board today. So maybe you can just take a minute to talk about yourself. Then I can go ahead to just introduce the next speaker. All right. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm really happy to be here. Really happy to also be listening to all the other awesome speakers today. Um, as I said, my name is Paul. I am one of the co-founders of Bonds, and we're basically a data-driven customer engagement platform built for businesses to help improve retention and customer lifetime value. Very excited to share uh, much of what we've seen um, and also to learn from everyone here. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Paul. Let me just quickly introduce our last speaker, then we can dive right into our discussion. So yes, yeah, we still have one more speaker, Mike. He's still trying to join, but let me introduce him, Shio. So yeah, Shio is the CEO of Torilo Nigeria, an IT company that helps businesses optimize business processes and enhance their growth through digital transformation. And Shion is a curious optimist with a keen interest to research in research and design. He has led a team of creative tech, creative tech talents to develop solutions that connect people and businesses to their goals. Um, Shion, I'm really happy that you accepted our invite to come on board today and share insights. So let's let's just dive right in, right? And like I said, the topic for today is optimizing user experience for best, better customer retention. Because of time, I might not be able to ask all the questions I have. So I might just streamline it to what I feel are the very important ones. And I really just like to hear, I, I really want to just hear the thoughts 
of like the different speakers based on these questions that um, I'll be asking. So the first question really is like, I really want us to start by understanding how important user experience is, customer experience, how important it is in determining what customer retention will look like for a business or a startup, right? So maybe I will start with Samuel and um, then Paul. All right. Um, I mean, there's not much to say as regarding this because like, customers are the life of a business. If you don't have customers, you don't have a business until you have gotten, um, you've gotten customers to pay for your product or service. You can't say you have a business because what makes a business a business is really that exchange of, um, of, uh, should I say goods and services and payment for those goods and, and services. So now if you would have returning customers, obviously they have to first be, uh, contented or satisfied with the service you've offered them previously for them to come back. I wouldn't ask a customer go back to, uh, let's say, let's not even um, speak very like on, on really complicated terms. <laughs> For example, I go to this, uh, should I say, uh, a carpenter, right? I want to get a piece of furniture done. And then after we've had good prices and everything, I eventually pay and then he, he gets this furniture to me. And in the space of like, uh, let's say a few weeks, this furniture begins to squeak and um, maybe the, the nails or bolts start coming off. There's nothing taking me back to that, uh, to that carpenter. At most, I'll just go back for him to like repair what he has done previously because I paid him obviously for the job, but I will never go back to him to, to make me a, a new piece of furniture. So if the first experience is not is not good, it's almost impossible for a customer to come back. Now, if we bring it back to where we are at, especially in the tech space, where there are so many people doing similar businesses, right? This business usually has so many competitors that are all contending for a very limited number of um, of customers, right? So if if at first contact with your business, a customer is not satisfied. Trust me, there are so many other options that they easily, easily go to and um, not even bat an eyelid uh, about coming back to your business. So uh, user experience, especially first point of contact, is very, very key in terms of um, customer retention. So in, in order not to stretch this too much, I'll just leave it there. All right. All right. Thank you very much. I just felt it was very important that we start with identifying its importance, right? Even though like you started, it might be a no-brainer. So Paul, please, maybe we can just hear from you a bit. All right. Thank you. Um, so just, just as Samuel said, right, customers are the lifeblood of any business. Without customers, you don't have any business, right? Um, and as a business, what you get in return for providing value for a customer is money. But if the customers do not get that value, um, there's no way that money is going to come, right? I, I, I mean, we've all, I think we've all seen this analogy, what you ordered versus what you got. So you saw this really nice product, a really nice service, you placed an order, you waited, and then something that is not what you ordered came, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, you got confused, obviously, or that would be your last interaction with that brand or that person. Um, even if you end up going back, it may just be for whatever reasons, but because you had a very poor experience initially, 
it's going to be very hard for that business to have you as a returning customer. And so when you think about customer experience, you're thinking about how you make your users feel, how the users get to experience your brand and get to um, uh, benefit from the value that you provide. Without a great experience, customer retention is a fallacy because unless I'm satisfied, there's no way I'm coming back. Unless I'm satisfied, there's no way I'm returning. There's no way I'm referring um, um, other users to your business, right? And so customer um, customer experience is it's, uh, it's very crucial and very essential for every business to focus on because without a good customer experience, your business is, is, is really a ticking bomb because, uh, you know, one day you'd wake up and realize you have no customers again. And, you know, as a business, you don't just want to spend all your time acquiring customers. You also want to look at the current customers you have, right? How are you retaining them? How are you ensuring that they, they keep coming back every time when they have a problem that your um, product or service solves, right? Um, and how, how, how does that happen is by providing them a, a top-notch experience to, you know, keep them coming back to you. So that's why user experience is very important for any product or any service. All right. Thank you um, very much, Paul. One thing I got from what you've said that is very, very important is that customer retention is a fallacy without a great experience. And I think another thing you stressed would be that the whole experience matters, but the initial experience that customers get also matters very much. Um, Shio, I don't know if you want to, if you um, you can hear us and you can speak now, and if you want to add it, you know, too, with respect to how um, customer experience helps with retention. Uh, yes. So, um, the the um analogy that he gave about you know uh, you engaging a an artisan to help you get something, and then having a bad experience at first. So, best is, best impression is very important, first of all. Um, but beyond that, as well, even if you've successfully gotten someone on board, it's another thing to keep them. Uh, customer experience, I always tell people, is not just, it doesn't end at customer support or customer service desk. Um, it's a collective thing uh, from developer to designer to everybody involved, even the sales. Um, so, one thing we encourage. Personally, for my own end, once in a while, get engaged with customer service side and you know, see what people are doing. You know, it, it builds empathy within the team and it also builds um, a customer centric mindset that makes sense. It helps you um, reflect and think. Basically, you pause for a minute and you ask yourself, um, this solution I'm about to implement, um, would I use it as a customer? Would it be useful for me? Would I be delivering the best experience? Right. So, um, one thing I always tell the team personally, uh, it's, it's good you've done, you've done a good job to bring them on board, onboarded them, they're fine, they're up, or they're solution and their business. Uh, but it's another thing to then ensure that they keep enjoying um, true feedback and true constant communication. So, yeah, thanks. All right. Thank you um, very much, Jung. So, I see that Michael has joined us. Michael, I'm happy to have you here. And apologies once more that we delayed with starting the session. So yeah, let me just go ahead to ask my next question. And Michael, please, I will start with with you, right? So my next question, um, Michael, please, are you here with me? Let me confirm if you can hear me. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, great. My next question with respect to um, customer experience would be, 
I don't know if it's just me, but when we hear a topic regarding user experience, what comes to mind might be UIUX or the online experience. But not every startup is corporate, right? Some startups might just be leveraging technology. So I wanted to know your thoughts and perspectives with respect to how businesses can maintain a consistent level of consistent level in terms of like quality of experience on both their online points and their offline touch points. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, um, good evening, everyone. Yeah, so I feel so good to be here. And uh, I've listened to like two other guys I've spoken, and uh, you know, they've been able to make some very, very important points. So for me, I'll just like share a story, you know, about my experience and they're using my startup as an example. You know, there was a time at Cashbody that we built an app. You know, it was at the early stage of Cashbody. So we built an app and uh, we pushed the app out there uh, for the public to make use of it. But then there were some uncertainty regarding the market. You know, there were some things that we couldn't control on our own. So, you know, users went to Play Store and they were dropping lots of bad reviews regarding the I mean, regarding cash body and at the point, it actually affected us mentally. But one of those things I was able to pick from what happened was that we were not ready to actually make that product available. But then we made the channel accessible for people and they gave them bad experience such that when we eventually had a product that they actually needed, you know, those people that needed it, when they were reading all those negative reviews on Play Store, it actually discouraged them. And oftentimes, uh, within the tech space, there are some of our products that doesn't involve us alone. We have to integrate third party. And some of the issues that you might be having sometimes might not necessarily be from you. It might involve third party, but your users are not concerned about maybe there's a third party somewhere that's actually offering this service for you or powering this and that. The only person they are dealing with is you. So it's not left to you to now find a way to engage them, let them understand, okay, we provide this service. You are the one we are interacting with. You are interacting with us and not our partner. But there are some factors that decide how our system actually operates. You know, so in most cases, startups, founders, or let me say startups generally, we often don't consider some things when we are making our decisions. And uh, at the end of the day, those things actually affect us that we end up losing customers. You know, even as a point, sometimes if you go to, so most fintech, uh, maybe their Instagram uh, and their Twitter and all that, you'll be seeing lots of positive, I mean, uh, negative reviews. And at the point, when we're not getting negative reviews, I thought we were doing fine for real. I thought we were actually doing fine. When I shared, okay, when we started, we, it was Flutter Wave and the rest that was very popular. We don't have the likes of pay there and then. So when you share Flutter Wave and you see people complaining about butter and all that, I was like, wow, we, we are doing well. Nobody's complaining about us. But when we start having multiple users, like 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 users, then the complaints start coming in. Then we actually realized that the reason why we're not getting complaint then is not because we have a perfect product, but because of the fact that we were not having enough users that were using us to test us, you know, to actually give feedback about our product. So that's just what I'll say about it. That whenever we are building product, 
We just need to be sure that, okay, we are actually ready. We are very, very ready for anything before we take it to the market. We should not be in haste to take a product to the market just because we want to be the first to enter the market because the users might not give us a second chance. All right. Thank you very much for that, Michael. Paul, I don't know if there is... I feel like I want you to add something to what Michael has said with respect to having to wait till your product is fully ready before launching it to the market. Do you have anything you want to add? Um. Okay. So it, it's tough, right, to say uh, you have to wait till your product is fully ready to hit the market. Um, because the reality is your, your product can never be too ready. And the more you delay uh, keeping your products out of the hands of the actual users, the harder it becomes to, um, you know, validate the product and, uh, you know, even get, get users. So uh, personally, I'd say in, in terms of should you wait till you're ready, you, you, you'll never be ready, that's one. Um, but at least what you should do is that you shouldn't launch a scrappy product because in a market where there are already established players and you're um, the underdog there, you don't want to just come with a scrappy experience unless your app or your company is solving a problem that um, is so unique and there are no easy alternatives. Uh, it's, it's very... It's very um, Unless, unless your product is solving a, a challenge that where no alternative exists, it's, it's, um, it's very hard to say a, a, a product with, with like a bad, a bad UX wouldn't, wouldn't work, right? So initially, I'd say as, long, as soon as you have something good enough that works end-to-end, right, you should, you should definitely get it out into the hands of the actual people that, whose feedback matter, and, and then you can take that. Right. Um, I know sometimes, like, like, um, like, uh, like you said, it sucks because uh, initially people had a bad experience. They went on Google Play and they're dropping a lot of negative reviews. And yes, that's expected because people are, are sad, right? But one thing I would say is uh, I think this, this ideology of an aha moment always works because if I look at your landing page or your ad or something that brought me to your app and it says, this app is going to help you pay or send money to friends, right? And if, if I can log into your app and seamlessly send money to friends, right? As it worked, right? Regardless of, of whatever hurdle you took me, it worked. And in my mind, even if I say, ah, oh, I, I don't really like the experience so much, the, the, the aha moment, I, I did experience it. And so, um, in, in a case like that, you tend to get real feedback. Or, oh, I think this place could be improved. I think this could be improved. And, and then you get to move. Obviously, there's people that uh, would go overboard and do all of these things, but your actual users are going to find you. The actual people that have that problem would, would, would um, you know, stick around as long as you keep providing value. Because it's a, game of, um, it's a game of daily value addition, right? As long as you're able to keep adding value every day and improving the experience for your user, which is like one specific person, like one persona, you keep improving it for this person, um, I, I think it's, it's going to be a a better ride, right? So I, I definitely think that you shouldn't wait till you have like a perfect product because like no product is perfect and no, no, it, it will just delay the whole process. The major thing is 
do users want to use this thing I'm even building? And, uh, you know, from there, obviously, you start off with, with a scrappy experience and, and you, 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 you move, it, it gets better from there. Once you find your actual tribe of users, it, it just gets better and, you know, they'll work with you to, to improve your experience. And, and that's pretty much it. Okay, uh, let me just add this to what Paul said. And uh, I think I have some questions for everybody here, just for me to be sure that, okay, it's not just me thinking far-fetched. So, number one, uh, regarding taking the product to the market until when it is market fit, you know, before now, there were not really much infrastructure out there that enables teams to actually build products and uh, test them privately. But now we have lots of infrastructure out there. We have a lot of companies that are building different infrastructure that allow teams to build products and test them internally or invite some people for private testing. So that is one. And the number two is that, and I want to throw this out there to everybody. How often do you drop positive reviews on Play Store for apps that you download? See, one of those things I've come to realize when it comes to user experience and the user reaction or attitude towards a product is a users tend to drop negative reviews than positive reviews you know because for me myself i can't count the number of apps that i've used that i've enjoyed and i don't go to play store to, i've never dropped any positive review for any app on play store also i've not dropped any negative reviews but then you know on many occasions there has been this urge to drop negative reviews than positive reviews even though i know that some of these apps have actually you know uh, satisfied me to an extent, just like Instagram also. Sometimes when you are surfing Instagram and you see some posts, you know, maybe some funny posts that make you laugh and all that. But you find it so hard to even click on the like button or to even drop a comment. Meanwhile, you enjoy the product. But if it's something that you don't enjoy, there's a high chance that you are likely going to drop a comment about it. So the same thing is also applicable to products. When people enjoy products, you know, we see that okay, it's expected. I'm expected to enjoy this product. The essence of you guys building this product for me to enjoy it. So if I enjoy it, then don't expect me to really appreciate it. Maybe that's the attitude or the belief of many users. But if it's something that we just feel like, oh, I'm not fulfilled, I'm not satisfied, the next thing you see, everybody just go out there, start shouting, seeing different sort of things. I've seen instances, let me give you Catchybody case, for example. You know, we've seen users that might transact like 4 million era once, and there could be a delay in the processing their transaction. It could be from a hand or from maybe a partner end and all that. And, you know, you won't hear anything from them. They won't even message our customer support or send a mail to ask what's the problem, what's the issue. But I can tell you for a fact, there has been users that have transacted like 300 naira. There was this particular guy that transacted like 300 naira. And this guy, the money didn't get to us. It was from, it was a pantile. And this guy went to our Instagram he was seeing different of things that today I will make sure I bring this company down. I will report you to EFCC. I will report you to this. I will make sure that Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everybody take your company down. And I was shocked. When I told the matter was reported to me, and I said, okay, don't worry, let me undo this. I went on Instagram. I took our Instagram account. I messaged the guy. I said, hello, sorry, sir. What is the problem? How much are we talking about? The guy said 300 naira. And when I now read through all the messages that this guy has dropped, the problem is not really the money, though. You know, no amount of money is small. 
The guy has every right to his money, even if it's one cobble. But I'm just using this as instance for us to understand that sometimes some people bring their personal, uh, maybe their lifestyle or character into how they react with products. You know, imagine when someone that transacts like $4 million doesn't give you a dick, not even bothered for 24 hours, and someone of 300 Naira is already throwing tantrums all around, you know, saying different sort of things about your company just within one hour or two. So sometimes we feel that we can actually control users' uh, maybe reaction or attitudes or approach towards our products. But the fact is we can't really do that 100%. And like I said about my first point, uh, the essence of uh, the reason why I said you need to be sure your product is fit before you take it to the market is because the actual users are expecting 100% perfect products. They are not expecting you to bring a product to the market and be using it for a test. We've had some partners that they use us to test their product. They use us to build their product from the scratch. And the reason why we could actually take all that time along with them is because I understand myself as a product person, as a developer, that, okay, this is possible. But other is out there. They are expecting your product to be ready. They expect that when they click a button, it gives them the perfect response. It takes them to the perfect page or expected page and not throwing any form of errors and all that. So, which is why we have testing infrastructures out there. You can invite some people to come and do private testing with you and all that. So, for me, I'm not disputing with what you said. I'm not arguing with that, but I still feel that to an extent. Even though, like you said also, I'm, I'm, I'm actually agreeing with you on that. Your product can't be 100% perfect. It can't be 100% ready. But when you are taking this to the market, give the market the impression that, okay, my product is 100% ready. Because if you tell me that, okay, I, I'm a bakery, I'm baking a bread, and uh, you are telling your customer, oh, this bread is not yet done, no. Just buy it and just be eating it. Maybe as you are eating it, the next one that we are going to, to prepare, it will be done 100%. You know, you definitely lose them. Even though the product is not ready, just try to give impression. To understand by perfecting the experience, maybe from the design, the flow, create the impression that okay, the product is ready. So that's what I want to say. Um, I'd, I'd probably just say something for to, to address that. So I, I think that at the end of the day, right, it, it still has something to do with product strategy. So how how um, you decide to build? I mean, you won't just build and say the app is ready, everyone download it. I mean, there's there's a a a part where you know you're you have a few uh better test users you know you work with them for a couple of days a couple of months weeks you get their feedback you implement and by the time you're taking it out to a larger sample size you're already sure that at least um 80 percent of the things are working end to end maybe it's not so fluid but it's working if i click a button it responds all of the things are the basics and um there's also when it comes to user experience right it, it transcends the application or the product itself. Like you gave an instance where um, a user made a transfer and then transfer, there was a delay, right? That gets people frustrated. Even the biggest payment companies in the world still face um, similar challenges. In, in, such an, in, in such a case, right, The um, if there was such a an escalation uh, mechanism where maybe maybe a, a, an email or a text was sent to the user like, hey, we've discovered this issue, we're on it, 
his mind is calm, right? He didn't have to take all of those. I mean, I'm sure he, the person waited a couple minutes or hours or whatever before he took that action. But in that process, if there was a an interaction between someone from the company and that user, you know, it may not have gotten to that point. So at the end of the day, you, I mean, there's no way to avoid it. If the actual user doesn't use the app, it's hard to say um, that you're, it's hard to say the direction of what you're building. That's one. And also two, there are good normal users who are your actual users and they are also malicious users, right? Um, uh, and I, I know we've seen this analogy where you have a, a $500 client and he just sends the $500 bill and says, oh, I've sent it. And you have a $5 client and he's asking you 20 questions just to send the $5 over. That's typically the way it is. If you have a free app or an app that is cheap to an extent to use, it, it tends to get a lot of malicious users because um, once it's free, people do not uh, want to invest the time in making it work properly for them. And so uh, you just tend to face all, all sort of problems. So I, I think that there should be a balance between the value you're giving and the value you're getting from these users. And, and once there's a balance there, you know, you face any challenge to ensure that the, the value chain is, it works, right? So yeah, that's, that's what I think about that. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for that addition, Paul. So I think because of time, I will just go ahead to ask two more questions. But before I go ahead, I don't know if anyone in the audience wants to add or wants to make a comment. Okay, um, Isaac, you can go ahead. Um, hey, everyone. I hope you can hear me. All right. Um, I just wanted to address something that Michael said that I found quite interesting. Um, because when I started developing apps, especially for the Play Store, I experienced the same thing whereby users, uh, the happy users wouldn't leave um, any comments, but the, the, the sad ones or the ones who faced any minor inconvenience would be the ones to like go all over the internet and spread all the, um, the worst news. And I, think, and I think one thing that, uh, that helps, especially when you're starting out uh, with your new company or your startup and uh, you don't have as many resources as the big companies which you might be competing with, or you might not have the best processes in place to ensure, like you say, speedy delivery of someone's uh, transfer. The best thing to do with your customers is to be very honest with them. Like a lot of times we like to posture and we like to act like we are bigger than we actually are. So one thing that I recommend is if your app or your product or your service doesn't do something well, it's in your best interest and in your client's best interest to be upfront with them and say that, hey, we do transfers, but it might take up to 48 hours. Although, yes, your competition doesn't add that disclaimer to say that it takes up to 48 hours because they have the resources and the processes in place and the support team to do this. Putting that disclaimer upfront to your customers will quickly dismiss any fears that he has. In fact, sometimes... I would, I would suggest you make your product seem worse than it is when you're, when you're new and you're starting out and you don't have um, the, best of, the best product in the market. Because what happens is if you tell your customers that, oh, your transfer will be available in, in a week, and then all of a sudden it's available in two days, they feel very happy that, oh, that product is actually very fast. So I just wanted to point out that being honest, especially when you're early and you don't have the resources to fight against your competition, who have the best in place, um, very, very crucial. 
also um, in, in terms of the bad reviews. Um, I remember when I, I, I released that app and I, it was a paid app, it was $1.99. And I realized that a lot of people, especially in the, the South Asian market who don't have that much money, when they would spend $1.99 on the app, they'll be very critical. They'll be like, it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that and it doesn't do this. And first of all, honesty, be upfront such that they cannot quote you anywhere saying that it does more than what it does. And then secondly, um, try and promote the positive users as much as possible. So if you find people, let's say, who email you and say, oh, I love your product, tell them that, oh, thank you for loving my product. Uh, it would be nice if you would leave a positive review on the Play Store or on whatever platform that you're on. That way you find that a lot of the positive reviews would eventually drown out the negative and you wouldn't feel so terrible in the long run about having a product with, let's say, a one-star review because it would be like, oh, okay, 10 customers love it. This one review is just, you know, somebody on the, on the side. Like you said, people are going through their own personal issues or people, you know, uh, are spending money that they might not actually have. So uh, sorry, I don't want to talk too much, but I have a lot to talk about uh, this specific issue. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Isaac, for adding that. So the three things I got from what you said would be to showcase honesty upfront, right? And making sure sometimes make your product seem worse so that you can actually over-deliver. It's very important to over-deliver. And lastly would be to promote the positive um, users, right? Thank you very much for that, Isaac. So um, let me just go ahead to um, ask my next question. So I'll be directing this question at Sheung and um, Samuel. So the question, so Sheung, please, you would go first. So the question is, how important is personal, personalization in enhancing customer experience, client experience, right? And what strategies have you found effective in tailoring experience to individual preferences? Um, thank you, Alton. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll use, um, I'll, I'll be using, of course, our own case study because it's more related to us. Um, so I think it's a very important thing, um, especially that, um, in many cases we deal with, um, enterprise level organizations, right? So, um, for BZ, for example, we'd have to deal with companies that have 2,000, 1,500, 3,000 employees, right? And, um, you know, you, as much as you have the attributes, um, you want to be able to also listen to them and ensure that what you have actually met their needs. And I really, really do enjoy what Isaac said. Um, you want to be very upfront with them um, and let them know, hey, you're coming on enterprise, right? So we have all these things set for you. However, you're asking for this and this and this. They might be in our pipeline, but we're not ready to please them anytime soon. Um, but we can release them in so-so and so-day or X-day, of course, with enough buffer. And so if you do go ahead and release them before that time, they're happy and they're satisfied, right? So I think personalization is a huge thing. Um, you need to listen to your customers, um, but you also need to strike the balance there. Um, in the process of personalizing experiences, you could, um, you could, there's the possibility of actually losing focus. Um, so there is there is always the case where you know the market can help you define or refine your idea, right? Market can help you find your idea. Obviously, before you build your product, you could have found a product market that's not your proper research. So there's a problem you're solving. But the market can also help you refine your idea. That's that's one thing you should be open to, and that's where personalization comes in. But um, I would say in 
you know, in, in the process of trying to personalize experience, try and look for um, similarities, try and look for patterns. Don't just build for a client. Um, I'm, I'm using this now because of the kind of solution we, we have as BZ. So when, when clients come to us and they tell us you have this problem, we look at all our other clients that are probably on the same level. So if it's a startup, we look at other startups. If it's an enterprise, we look at other enterprises that are clients. And we ask ourselves, are these people experiencing the same issue? Or we actually just run a research. So one thing that we're big on um, is, uh, uh, you know, I just take us, take us back a bit um, about product launching and knowing when to launch a product. We, we do a lot of testing in house um, because of, you know, the sensitivity of the app that we're building, right? So if a company that has 3,000 employees runs payroll and it's fault, it's a big issue. So we do a lot of testing. So we, we have alpha testing, we have beta testing. We even have, first of all, internal testing where we test developers, testing out them, call alpha testers who are real life users, but I've loved the product so much that they will be willing to test with us and give us feedback. And then, you know, we we'll go to beta and we we'll release the client out there and, you know what, well, this is a beta phase. So you experience any bug, experience any issue, we are there to address it. But we then release it to the entire public. So in, in, in your journey to personalize, you need to look for patterns, right? Um, what are the things that are consistent across, you know, these different organizations? Let's just build for one organization. The first, um, you'll be caged. Um, I've had to work with, you know, a product like that where it could no longer scale. And so what that affects is your ability to scale, right? Um, scaling would then become tough because you're now building for just the client and not the market, right? So you want to look for patterns, you know, across um, all of those things. And, and I think lastly, you know, in, in the process of trying to personalize, you also need to be very clear Transparency is actually one very important thing um, when dealing with clients. Um, they ask you for something. Obviously, in, to some good extent, there's, some, there's, there's nothing that is impossible to implement technology, but you want to be very open with them and tell them, you know what, um, this is the solution we have on ground. We might be willing to explore this, but we can go research more on it and see if there's a market for it or if there's demand for it, or if, if it's even possible and it doesn't bear us off what we're already doing, right? So, um, I think that's it. Also, maybe lastly, one 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 thing that would be really, really um, one strategy that we use um is to really collect feedback. Um, again, I love what Isaac said about you know trying to promote your positive reviews. Um, so you know when we when when you work with B two B, B two B is 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 a very funny thing in the sense that um it's tough. It's a tough market, and it can also be very um tough to even get feedback. So one thing we try to do, you know, with our account managers, we have them engage, you know, key contacts um, in the organizations. And we ask, you know, it could be via chat, it could be via support, it could be via fresh desk, any one of our platforms. We just ask on, you know, say on a quarterly basis, um, once you've been with us for a while, and a monthly basis if you're a new subscriber. So if you're a new subscriber, we ask you almost every month, oh, how's it going? Do check-ins with you. Are you are you enjoying the app? Is it helping you get what you want done? And to be fair, and to be very sincere with you, it's not every time we get, oh, yeah, it's superb. I have all the experience. Everything is sorted. But once in a while, we get, oh, I'm, I'm unable to do this. Oh, I can't add this blocker. So, and then you find out that if you don't reach out, some of them would not. Right? So, and that's where we come in and provide guidance and, you know, provide support. Um, one, one thing that is really important to note is um, I'm, not, I'm not encouraging you to be the shitty app or a app that is not delivering a good experience, right? But... One thing I want you to note is if you give very close support to your customers, um, they would actually value that relationship more than you are struggling 
to perfect the product because really in the real sense, um, you can give a good experience, but you can't be a perfect app because you know people's needs evolve and people want things in different ways. So, but when you're in close communication with them, close staff, then you are you are sure of you know giving them a really good experience. Um, so yeah, just to summarize again. Um, one way to collect feedback, keep touch with them. Um, also, if you want to personalize, try and look the pattern. Um, don't um, just build um, for a client or just for a subset. Ensure that it's an idea or it's a solution or a feature that can scale across um, so that it doesn't end up affecting you. All right. Thank you very much for that, Shil. Um, Samuel, do you want to add a thing or two? Yeah. Um, I, I love that Shil really stressed on or came in to answer this question from the angle of product and really stressed on that. So I'm just going to move and talk about um, personalization in terms of uh, pricing and then, um, should I say, customer interaction and uh, customer service. Um, like Shane stressed, you can personalize like a product for um, different customers or clients. And um, for 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 companies that build software products, right? Um, it, it makes sense for you to first look at um, if there's a bigger market for that product before you commit resources and then build a personalized product for a company. But um, like I said, I'm going to speak from pricing and um, customer service. So I'll just speak about pricing and I'll use um, my company first founders as um, a case study here. So sometime last year, we found, because outside of building our own startups, right, that is our our portfolio companies, we also get um, clients that come to us and say, okay, uh, we don't want to give you equity in our business or we don't want to come on your portfolio. We just want you to build our product for us and then we take it to market and help us set up our own um, our dev team when you're done and then you can come in from time to time like on a consultancy basis and just monitor how the, the product is doing and um, basically how our team is managing the, the technology, right? And and then we had been giving, we had been very, uh, should I say, we're not flexible in terms of pricing. So if we look at your product, the complexities and everything um, in between that, that we need to go through to build your product, and then we build it based on, on our findings, we we usually go, go right ahead and say, you have to pay all of this money up front before we can begin developing your your product. And yes, some clients were <laughs> had deep pockets um, and they were able to pay all of those monies running to several millions. And but others couldn't. Um and we saw we lost a lot of businesses. Um, a lot of business rather that we or deals that could have come into the company. And then we we went back and we're like, okay, um how can we personalize our pricing? And then we we now we now came from the angle of making or offering this flexibility in terms of payments depending on our clients and um, where they are at really in their journey and um, what their financial capabilities were. And then we had clients that we say, okay, pay 30% upfront and then we begin working on your products, pay 50% upfront and we begin working on your products, pay 70% and then we begin working on your products. And we've even had some that said, okay, uh, <laughs> we're not... Uh, we don't really have anything now, but can you just get started? And then next month we are going to do something. And we've had uh, 
a few like that. So we, in that way, we personalize the pricing uh, uh, of, of those product, and in a way, we're able to to improve our customer experience in some sense, I guess. And um, so that is one way where uh, personalization makes sense in um, improving customer experience and retention because those guys that we now put on flexible payment schedules are still with us um, till today. And we have some who have sort of like hired us as um, what we are calling in-house um, CTU as a service, right? <laughs> so they don't have a, full, a, a fully staffed tech team. They just have one or two people and then... But they employ our services from uh, time to time to, like I said earlier, manage the, the tech on a like high level. And then in terms of um customer service, yeah, <laughs> I saw a meme the other day of um when uh, the internet was was new, right? And everyone was excited each time they get a new um, email in their inbox, <laughs> and um. But today, we are more excited when we receive handwritten letters because we feel this is a much more uh, personalized uh, way of interacting with me, the customer. So we appreciate brands that, that go the extra mile making efforts like that, um, handwritten uh, thank you notes or stuff like that. So that's a way to personalize the customer experience and improve uh, customer retention. So there are many like different ways in which this could go, but I guess what I'm trying to say is as a business, we must... Um, always keep uh, almost always find a way to personalize your customer um, experience so that each customer feels very very valued and seen by the company because it's easy for customers or it's easy for companies to like um, put up this uh, this um, should I say image of uh, we don't have any like we don't have a heart let me say we are not human in, in a sense but when we personalize experiences like this, customers can relate to uh, the brand and say, okay, I think they are, they are good people behind this brand and just sort of like um, helps them become more loyal to your, to your brand. So personalization is very, very key. All right. Uh, um, can I add something to that? Please. I was about to ask you if you wanted to add something. Please go ahead. Great. Uh, thank you. So I'd, I'd like to look at personalization as... Um, from the angle of, as a business, right, you, you, your customers want to know that you understand them and um, they, want to, they want to feel like you understand them and they also want to feel heard, right? So um, it's left for you, the product owner, to understand your customers and tailor the experience of the app to them. You know, so there's things like um, personalized recommendation and there's also targeted engagement based off um, what customers do, right? So, um, you know, the major thing is to understand the customer's journey or the customer's life cycle. And then based off where they are in a journey, you know, um, personalizing that experience. So for, for instance, you have a you have someone click an ad and come to an e-commerce website and they, let's say they, they click an ad to buy a pen and then they get to the e-commerce website and yes they look they see the pen but the recommended products they get there are not things like pencils or other types of pen they rather see things like cars and see a whole another category that they are not interested in Obviously, that's not a very great experience because obviously 
I came here with the expectation to buy a certain product. You know, you've got me from wherever you got me and I'm now on your side, but I don't get, when I'm now on your side, I don't feel like I, I, um, I don't feel like, it's a, I just feel it's scattered because I came here for this, but I'm seeing this other thing. So what brands do in, in cases like this is something we call, um, um, uh, conceptual personalization. So, where did you come from? Where are you now on the app? And what should be shown to you? So sometimes what you visit, what, what you see when you land on a particular page on a website, um, in terms of the pop-ups or the recommendations or stuff like that, is actually different from what another person see, sees, right? Um, and that's determined by several things. It's all in a bid for the brand to personalize the experience. I mean, how would you feel if... Um, if uh, it's breakfast. It's, it's it's almost breakfast time. You haven't eaten, and all of a sudden, your food app sends you a notification for, uh, you know, a discount for breakfast. You know, you feel like they know what's going on in your mind, right? Because this is the time to eat. This is the time to place an order, and based on the fact that they understand you or they, um, you know, you're in a journey with them, they can deliver you that um, that uh, personalized recommendation, and they can also target you based off what you're doing. So personalization for customer experience is really about understanding the customer's need and then uh, specifically targeting your product to solve that need for a customer. So that's why personalization is really important because it it uh, in- increases the trust your customer has. You're like, oh, this business really understands me. I, I can get whatever I want from this business because you know you get a personalized experience every time. Right. That's what we, that's really what users want to feel heard, to feel seen and to get the best value, um, from stuff. Even something as simple as email. When you see an email that says hi and then the body continues, or you see an email that says hi, your name and then the body, which one works better? You feel like this one that knows your name knows you very well. Right. And that's simply what personalization is. It's really the little things is, um, you, you know, you, the brand speaking to, one customer at a time, as opposed to speaking to all your users um, with the same language. It's how you can tailor experiences, communication, and uh, value to specific users um, within the experience in your product. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for that, Paul. I think one major thing I got from what you said is that customers want to feel heard and they want to feel understood, right? And kind of like tailoring what's your solution to a particular customer instead of like just everybody at once. So yeah, because of time, uh, I think we we will be wrapping up. But just before we wrap up, I don't know if anyone has a question. If you have a question, you can just signify by raising your hand. But if no one does, um, we can just, I really just want to know if the speakers have like um, final advice for founders with respect to how they can increase um, retention by improving customer experience. So um, we would hear from Paul, then we'd hear from Shane, then we'll hear from Michael, then we'll hear from Samuel. Okay, Paul, please over to you again. I'll, I'll just break it down to three quick things or four. Is one, the first thing would be make it easy for your customers to do what they want to do, right? So someone, your, your copy on your website, the landing page, your ad, or whatever, told the user that this app can help you send money, right? So ensure that when they 
come to your app when they're actually using the product or the service, it actually works and it delivers that value. It takes them to that aha moment because everybody is searching for the aha moment. It's like, um, okay, I've signed up for this app. I've logged in. When can I perform this action? Obviously, I just I don't just want to navigate around your fancy UI. I want to actually perform an action. So how easy can you make it for a user to do what they want to do, right? That's one of the key uh, things to consider is making it easy for the customer to follow through the process end-to-end and ensure that process works. So the second thing is to personalize the experience. So um, understand your users, understand their journey, personalize your communication to them, personalize the recommendation, and also target your users based off their intent for their action, right? Um, let me let me talk just briefly about like a subscription lifecycle. You know, there's a you have a customer, a customer subscribes, and then they can upgrade or they can cancel, right? All of these are journeys and lifecycle events, and so you need to understand where is the customer now and what action do you want them to take next, right? And based off that, you bring up a a, a contextual experience for them to improve the uh, chances of them, you know, repeating staying back to use your application. And the third thing is to provide excellent customer service because like, if, if, you do not, if you're not in constant communication with your users um, and if there's no channel for users to quickly reach you in a simple enough manner, it's going to be a problem because your users wouldn't feel heard. You know, it feels like all they have is just an app on a Play Store or a website and there's nobody behind the app. So you want to always bring in that human touch because People don't want to chat with bots. They want to act, talk to actual humans and um, make their express their feelings, right? And so it's very key to also provide a good experience because, I mean, sometimes you use an app and you're like, ah, man, I know this, these people, like, even if I chat with them by 3 a.m., they are going to reply me. Um, and that's, that's, that also is um, a strategy to retain people. There are many services I use. One of those services, I'd say for free here, is Namecheap. Anytime I message them, they always reply. And because of that, it's almost impossible for me to switch to any other provider. So providing an excellent customer uh, service is actually important. And the final thing is to always listen. Listen for feedback, just collect feedback and act on that feedback. So always, while you're communicating with your customers, always ensure that you um, get to understand things from their point of view see what see the things they are leaning into, see what they, they like, hear what they think about the platform and work on it and iterate, right? It's um, when you're building a product, you're, you're actually working with your users to um, shape it into the, the big thing, right? Your users actually, you actually, you actually have to build your users it's through their feedback, through their complaints. Those are the channels and ways you get to understand what they're really going through, their, their pain points, the issues, the improvements you likely make, right? So once you have that process sorted, once you have these four things covered, I, I believe you'd be able to create a great um, personal experience for your users, right? And, um, you know, so thank you. That, that, that's it for me. Thank you very much, Paul. So the four things you need to mention about number one, make it easy for your users to do what they want to do. Number two, personalize the experience. Number three, provide excellent customer service. And number four, always make sure to listen for feedback. And more importantly, act on the feedback you get. Um, Shemu, please over to you. 
Um, yeah, so um, Paul has actually kind of captured most of the uh, the point from, should I say, the product side. So I'll just talk a bit more on the team side, right? So I like to see user experience as a collective effort. Um, I think I said earlier that, you know, it's not something we just keep on, you know, design desk or we keep on customer service or accompaniment desk. Um, so I would advise you as a founder, occasionally, um, organize town halls um, where, you know, you have your, you know, your front-facing guys, your customer support guys, your account managers, you know, have meetings, speak with your back-end guys, speak with your front-end guys, speak with designers. Let them meet. Let them be in a space where, you know, they can collaborate occasionally. Um, let them share ideas. Let them rub minds. Um, don't build in silos. Um, I think is what the point I really want to make. All right, Shion, my, my awesome CEO. Thank you very much. Um, Samuel, please, over to you. Okay, um, I feel like Paul and Shion have, have, have said everything that there is to say. Um, if I'll be speaking, I'll just be like, honestly, I'll just be repeating what they said. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's one thing I, I would like to stress on is, um, and um, Paul actually said it, um, I know we we are we get caught up in getting this uh, customer feedback from um, everything we do everything online, right? We expect them to give a review on the products, maybe on Play Store or just uh, via email or contact support and stuff. But one thing I see that a lot of founders don't do, and I've I've learned this from um, listening to uh, a particular podcast, is um, some of the founders that make. Um, that are the most successful go out of their way to have personal, like in-person meetings with some of their customers, right? Go to where your product is being used and see how the customer is interacting with the product in real time, in real life. And there you you'd, you'd really get to understand the, the part of your, your product is playing in the success of their business or the success of their um, enterprise. So sometimes it's based to like roll up your sleeves and just get your hands dirty and um, yeah, build that personal relationship with a few of your customers. And yeah, that's it for my end. All right. Thank you very much, Samuel. So yeah, we've come to the end of today's session. I'm sure it was very, very enlightening. Thank you to all our speakers for joining. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Shion. Thanks, Samuel. I see Mike already dropped off. He had to join another meeting. I really appreciate the insights that we've shared today. So I will let us know once we upload this session to our Launchpad platform so we can go over to listen to it again. And thanks to everyone that joined. Thanks, Dandy. Thanks, Chief. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Emirie, Justus. Adeyemi, thank you for joining. Adewole, thanks for joining. Thanks, Isaac. Isaac, thank you so much for um, what you shared. It was, it was really enlightening. So yeah, thank you very much once more. <laughs> and have a nice day to everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. If you found value in today's episode, you can find more at gotlaunchpad.com. Stay inspired, stay innovative, and keep building those dreams. Until next time, bye.